welcome to the Chelsea Olson podcast. I am delighted to welcome you to the community for all things leadership, wellness, and creativity. I believe in a world driven by abundance where businesses, humanity, and our planet thrive. It is time to redefine success and start building the world we dream to live in. It starts with you, and it starts here. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I am so excited to have you in today's episode, as this is a topic and an insight that I hold really near and dear to my heart and has served as a really helpful guide in liberating myself from unnecessary binds and fear and pain in my life. I've spent my entire adult life helping individuals grow, self-optimize and heal. I've worked with children with special needs. I've worked with deep trauma healing. I've worked with pelvic floor conditions. I've literally held people as their body is uncontrollably shaking in a deep trauma release. I've sat with presence not trying to fix or change, but simply witnessing as clients break down, crying, overwhelmed by their own pain. I've sat in medicine ceremonies, witnessing the depths of people's pain surfacing in ways you could never imagine. I have healed layers upon layers of sexual trauma within my own body, which lives deeply internal. So the reason why I give you these examples is it's safe to say that I've worked with very intimate parts of people and myself. I myself have experienced years of chronic pain, mysterious illness, and seemingly endless course of obstacles to overcome. And I know I'm not alone in that. And yes, that long and windy journey of one's own healing serves a very sacred purpose. And it's definitely not meant to be bypassed. But over these thousands of hours, years of experience, deep holding and witnessing of others and myself, my curiosity naturally has peaked to ask, why is all of this happening on such a widespread scale? And more importantly, what can we do about it? And today's episode is intended to unveil exactly that. Not to toot my own horn, but one of my innate and cultivated talents is identifying the root of of individuals or a team's complex issues. I started my yoga therapy practice in the middle of Missouri before it was recognized as a valid modality of healing, particularly yoga therapy for mental health. I was specifically working with anxiety and PTSD. And this was at a time before people recognized that the mind and body were connected, that trauma lives in the body. So how is it that I had a successful business for that many years in literally the middle of Missouri when this wasn't common knowledge? Well, my practice was often the place where people would go and quote, nothing else was working. Sometimes they came to me because of physical pain. My entire approach to healing and personal growth is through a systemized recognition that the mind, body, heart, and soul are all connected. And that connection is essential to true long-lasting healing which requires a lot of knowledge and is honestly a lot more difficult to navigate than the model of separation, which our modern day society uses. For example, if your knee hurts, you see a physical therapist for your knee. My approach is if your knee hurts, we're going to look at your ankle and your hips. Why does your knee hurt? And so that approach has really trained my eye 
internal and external eye to recognize that the flower isn't the root, that the symptom isn't the cause. So for better or for worse, I'd say I am a relative expert who is still cultivating her expertise in clarifying the root of suffering. So in my thousands of hours of study, experience, personal work, and meditation, we've landed here in this episode to ask and uncover what is the root cause to all suffering? Now, for the sake of today's episode, I offer the following exceptions and disclaimers. So A, what I'm presenting to you is my own opinion, and I have not formally researched this. However, as I just mentioned, all of my experiences, it is formulated upon a lot of experience and upon many, 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 many different trials. Additionally, my opinion was cultivated on my own. My input was cultivated on my own. And then as I started to research, even for this episode, I saw that my opinion and input is actually quite validated by a lot of other research. And so I will mention that throughout the episode today. And secondly, when I say suffering, I'm not talking about accidents, acute injuries, or even an acute means in a singular context. It's basically the opposite of chronic. So acute injuries or even acute diseases. We're primarily referring to chronic suffering. My personal belief is that the root to all suffering is a lack of safety, a lack of love, and a lack of connection. And this is why. We're going to break this down into multiple parts. First, let's start by identifying the word suffering. Suffering, meaning pain and sickness, the body, mind, and emotions, is a direct result of nervous system dysregulation. So when I ask the question, what is the root to all suffering? Really, the question is, what, what is the primary reason or driver why our nervous systems as a collective are dysregulated to the point of dysfunction? So let me say that one more time. Why is it that widespread, almost everyone we know, their nervous system is dysregulated to the point of dysfunction. What are the key themes? What are the root causes of that pandemic nervous system? What are the root causes to that epidemic in nervous system dysregulation? Now, nervous system dysregulation is not a one-size-fits-all. This is why healing is not a one-size-fits-all. Because your nervous system is wildly sensitive and intelligent and responds to the slightest of stimulus, even when you're not aware of it. It's basically like the Tesla. The Tesla is supposed to be the smartest car, right? It's self-driving. It's essentially independent. Why is it so intelligent? Because of all of its sensors. It has more sensors than any other vehicle on the market right now. And because it has all of those sensors, it has a lot of information and a lot of input. So when I say that the nervous system is wildly sensitive, it doesn't mean reactive and irrational. Sensitive means our ability to sense, aka activate the senses, is deep. And because of that, we access a lot more information. It's like being colorblind versus not being colorblind. That sense of seeing color is deeper. It's turned on. It is awakened. And so we have a lot more information about the present moment than if we're seeing in black and white or brown and white. So your nervous system is wildly sensitive and intelligent. 
And because of that is responding to the slightest of stimulus, even when you're not aware of it, apply this to healing and growth. The nervous system is wildly sensitive. This is why pills are not the infinite answer and nor is seated meditation. You have to find what works for you at the right time. This is why answering the question of why is everyone's nervous systems dysregulated to the point of dysfunction and what are the themes? It can be kind of a tricky question to answer because it is so personal. But to answer it, we need to look at the patterns because there are patterns that exist that paint the picture of what human beings need in order to thrive or the flip side of it, to suffer. And these patterns arise from the most basic of basic needs. Because if we're trying to find the root, we have to get down into the ground with it. So let's start there. The most basic of basic needs. Most people aren't going to argue when we say our, our basic needs are air, food, water, shelter, clothing, and sleep. These are the needs that we need to survive and to essentially not die. <laughs> so when we say suffering, we're not talking about surviving. We're talking about suffering versus thriving. So this is not the all encompassing picture here. This is just the starting point, the basic, most basic needs. So air, food, water, shelter, clothing, sleep. And yes, obviously these are wildly important, but the reality is most of these needs are not sufficiently met. A recent study in nutritional neuroscience shows that people who consumed fast food were three times more likely to experience health, mental health conditions. Drinking water, what has been labeled as safe drinking water from the tap, has been known to contain contaminants of aluminum, arsenic, copper, iron, lead, pesticides, herbicides, uranium, and more. All of this reported from the Nielsen Research Corporation. And all of these pose dangerous side effects. The CDC reports that more than 35% of Americans don't get enough sleep every night. Sleep is not a luxury. It is a necessity. Homelessness is rampant. Most of the people that are homeless are African Americans, LGBTQ, and males. These rates are projected to increase as housing costs do. But even people who aren't homeless, their homes are infected with mold mites, and other infestations that cause serious illness. I once lived in a house with terrible mold and I was sick for weeks. So in the slew of depressing facts, I think we can all agree that for being in the wealthiest period in human history, our needs are not really being met. We are barely surviving. And that is a soapbox rant for another day. This is just the starting point to keep healing the layers back. Because in this part, this portion, we've only been speaking solely on the survival level. And keep in mind, these are needs for the body to survive. Because the flip side of that is if we have clean air, we have a nutritious diet, we have plenty of clean drinking water, we are warm and cared for and we get enough sleep, our health is going to thrive. But what about mental health? So to address mental health, we have to first understand what does a healthy mind look like? So that way we can ask, what do we need to have a healthy mind? A healthy mind is one that rests in a positive outlook in life. Confidence, vulnerability, and creativity are easily accessed. We love ourselves. We often feel grateful. 
and have a healthy and skillful relationship with the difficult parts of us, such as fear, uncertainty, overwhelm. A healthy mind experiences quiet and inner peace, though of course no mind ever completely shuts off. A healthy mind is not easily threatened by opposing opinions or diversity. A healthy mind is essentially simple, not in its expression, but in its makeup, because there's simply a lack of toxins, a lack of sickness, and a lack of those looping patterns of self-hatred that feed an unhealthy mind. So a healthy mind is clean, clear, and vibrant. However, According to John Hopkins, one in four adults experience mental health disorders, and it's estimated that the number is actually higher because not everybody reports their mental health conditions, and this number is projected to rise. So this is why I've landed here. Why is this happening? This isn't a subset of people. This isn't people who've had one type of experience. This is nearly everybody. So what is it that gives us a healthy mind? And what's missing in our widespread culture? The answer, love and connection. Now, this is not a research study. There is research that supports what I'm saying. But of course, to have a truly healthy and vibrant mind, we need other things than love and connection. And we need those physical, basic survival needs to be met as well. So it's all connected. And today in this episode, we're talking about the root, not about everything. So the root to having a healthy and vibrant mind is love and connection. Because believe it or not, love and connection are necessary for human survival and our fundamental needs for the development of the personality. And the personality is often an expression of one's relationship of oneself one's belief systems, one's preferences, aka our mental health. I am all for supporting the individual to be strong in their own self, particularly for groups of oppressed people. Claiming your personal power is essential to reclaiming your mental health, even your physical health. However, in classic human fashion of swinging to the extremes, we've noticed this big shift from codependency and depression to, quote, I don't need anyone and I can do it all by myself. This is summarized as hyper-independence, which in modern day research is actually being recognized as a trauma response. There's a gene in our genetic code that if left turn off or unexpressed, meaning unactivated, makes us more resilient to stress. Resilience is a key component to having a healthy mind, body, and heart spirit. So what keeps this gene turned off? Sufficient physical connection with our mother in the first six months of our life. What's the average length of maternity leave in North America? Six weeks. So that fact alone starts to unravel this knot of mystery of why is, why are so many people dysregulated in their nervous system? Well, this one fact alone shows that from the very beginning of our life, we're not getting our basic needs met of love and connection. And these two components go far beyond physical touch in our first breaths of life. Loneliness, meaning a lack of love, a lack of connection, has been shown to activate the same parts of the brain as physical pain. 
And when we're in this state for a long period of time, this spikes the cortisol in our system. And that cortisol never really goes down until we have connection and love again. So if we live in extended periods of loneliness, that chronically spiked cortisol activates an autoimmune response, increased inflammation, and can really wreak havoc on the body-mind. We go into a lot more detail of this in the very first episode of the entire podcast, season one, episode one. It's called Mastering the Mind-Body Connection. The vagus nerve, which is the primary nerve and regulating the central nervous system, wanders through the voice, the breath, the heart, the gut, and then it wanders right back up into the muscles of the face. If this is the primary nerve that influences our entire nervous system's functioning, why is it that it ends in the muscles of the face? The answer is because our facial expression is a major player, MVP, and our ability to co-regulate. So co-regulation is essentially two nervous systems syncing together. We've all experienced this, whether we know it or not, because it's happening literally every time we interact with somebody. This is why we felt the isolation of the pandemic so deeply because we were unable to co-regulate. This is why masks are so difficult for the nervous system because they're covering up half of our face. We can't co-regulate, meaning we can't sync up to the people around us, meaning we can't read their energy. We can't read their mood. And when we can't co-regulate, there's a certain amount of stress within our system because we're not sure really if we're safe or not. Another way you may have experienced this is say you hug somebody, you physically connect with somebody who is angry, frustrated, and impatient. And then what about when you hug somebody who is loving and warm and kind? Those two hugs are going to feel differently. That's because your nervous systems are co-regulating. They're sinking. Co-regulation happens at literally every stage in every interaction in our entire life but originally was formed to describe the experience of caregiver and infant because co-regulation literally sets the stage for one's ability to self-regulate, meaning regulate your own nervous system as opposed to being in a place of dysregulation. When we regulate our own nervous system, we're in our window of tolerance or we're in our own optimal state. This is where we actually access health. So without co-regulation, it becomes very difficult to self-regulate. Without self-regulation, our nervous systems are dysregulated. With a chronically dysregulated nervous system, we end in chronic suffering. So here we are once again, looping back to the question, what is the root cause of system-wide nervous system dysregulation? Or what is the root cause to most suffering? Not enough safety, not enough love, and not enough connection. There is one more piece I want to add to this discussion, which is the reality of wearing a mask. Because you may have a family that loves you. You may have friends that you connect with. And you may have all of your basic needs met. It's very easy to understand why a nervous system would be dysregulated when we are isolated or hungry. But what about when we're not experiencing those things? Why is it still 
that our nervous systems are dysregulated? Why is it still that most people suffer? And this is where my personal belief and input comes in. And it's the damage of the mask. Safety really, as previously stated, is the most basic of the basic need. And now we see that love and connection are also extremely basic needs. But what about safety in love? What about safety in connection? And this is something that most people have never experienced in their life. There was a study done to differentiate why is it that some people that grew up in adverse situations evolved beyond that? And why is it that some stay and can never get out? The answer is one stable relationship. That's it. The reality is a lot of people don't even have one stable relationship. And what I mean by stable is somebody that, yes, is there for you consistently. They're not going to like make plans and then change and then switch and then make change and then go back and forth and back and forth and be there for six weeks and then disappear. Of course, stability, important. But also stability in acceptance. Because if you're sharing yourself with the pursuit of finding love and somebody judges you, they criticize you, they tell you how you could be better, your authentic self isn't actually safe in receiving love from that person because you extended your metaphorical hand for love and you got a bit of a slap back. We will find ways to meet our own needs unconsciously and meeting our need for love in an unhealthy way can play out in a lot of different ways. This might be like repeated cycles of unhealthy relationship dynamics it might be people pleasing. It might be even looking for things like sweets <laughs> or alcohol. But one of the things that I see everywhere and can relate to is the way we create safety in finding love is by wearing a mask. That mask is built of layer upon layer upon layer what the world around us has told us is preferred. For men, that's one thing. For women, that's another. For non-binary, that's its own thing. For black people, that's its own thing. For white people, that's its own thing. For Asians, that's its own thing. For biracial, that's its own thing. We've all been conditioned and primed over and over and over again of what it is we should be and if we are that, then we will be loved. But where's the safety in that? Where's the safety in stripping down who you are to your very core to fit a mold that someone else created because they don't feel safe in their authentic self? It just keeps playing out. So the mask is extremely damaging. And it can get to the point where we've completely lost who we are and it invokes deeply seated fear to be authentic, to simply be you. What a shame that is. What a disservice to the beauty of life to say life as it is, isn't okay. In fact, I want it to be this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. So it doesn't make me uncomfortable 
then we can pretend that the love and the connection and the safety is here. But even the safety love connection, while there is some validity to that, it's also wrapped in this plastic, shiny veneer where our soul knows, our nervous system knows this isn't real. Going back to co-regulation, someone may tell you, I love you just as you are. Who you are as you are is amazing. I love that you did that. You're so brave. I'm so proud of you. But if that's wrapped in the veneer of perfectionism of a slight critique, or they say that, but they act in a completely different way, the nervous systems are co-regulating. That sensitive, intelligent system of knowing within you knows mm, that's not fully true. I can't fully trust that person and what they say. So that lack of trust, we shut down, we harden up, and we just keep putting on that mask because safety is the number one need the brain will prioritize. Even safety in our body, safety in our love, and safety in our connection. And it doesn't take a lot of digging to start to look at the different types of trauma that play out in safety in the body, safety in love, safety in connection. And trauma doesn't have to mean a car accident, rape. It can literally mean toxic masculinity in which men have been primed to be this like aggressive, strong, unemotional being. They have not been allowed to be who they are. And in fact, the way that they stay safe in community and their friendship is through that separation. So the nervous system knows what it needs, but yet we're not allowing that to be expressed. Same with women. Oh my gosh, middle school girls are their own monstrous demon <laughs> expression of humanity. Mean, oh, so mean. And now we have more and more people who are brave and courageous saying, I don't identify with either of those genders. And knowing the reality of their experience, sheesh. No one, who they are, is enough according to societal standards. Social media is full of filters that change the shape of your face. Of course, airbrushed, perfectly symmetrical, perfect skin, a slight tan, makeup on the eyes, of course that makes, that can enhance the way somebody looks. But when that's all we see, and then you see your real face right after that, you think, oh gosh, my natural self does not look good. The rates of plastic surgery are going up increasingly and people literally ask to look like their Snapchat filters. The loss of ourself is the root to chronic culture-wide suffering. So yes, what is the root to suffering? Not enough safety, not enough love, and not enough connection. And yes, we have to co-regulate with our safety, with our basic needs, our love and connection with other people in a way that is authentic, true, and safe. And we have to self-regulate with safety, love, and connection with ourself. And every time we strip away a layer, every time we put on the mask, Every time we take a part of us and shove it in a cage deep down to never be let out, we're dysregulating our nervous system. Because who you are as you are is enough. 
And as long as we keep putting on the masks and we keep hiding ourselves and we keep lying, we're just going to keep the cycles looping. So it is up to you. It is up to me. It's up to us to be brave and courageous and say, this is who I am. And that starts with loving yourself. Because if you don't feel safe in your ability to provide your own needs, if you don't feel safe in your ability to love yourself, if you don't feel safe in your ability to create connection within your own experience, then we're too reliant on other people's reactions to us to be authentic. So it starts with you. Let's look at ways that you can cultivate this within your own life. This is not an all-encompassing list by any means. I feel like I say that in almost every episode, <laughs> but it's true. And if you want to know more, work with me, but this is just a few options to get you started. Cultivating safety within yourself. Prioritize your basic needs. Food, water, air, sleep, shelter. Prioritize this. Focus on this as long as you need for it to become your way of life. When you feel hungry, do you reach for cookies or do you reach for a cup of yogurt? When you feel tired, do you grab another cup of coffee or do you drink another glass of water? Do you invest in a water filter? Prioritize your basic needs. Find ways to get enough sleep every night. And set the boundaries needed to protect those basic needs. Because if you keep giving your basic needs away, you're not going to feel safe within yourself. You're not going to trust that you will be there, that stable relationship, right? It's kind of the same thing. We have to prioritize our basic needs. How do we cultivate safety in our self-love? This will come with, with prioritizing your own needs and because we're signaling to ourselves, oh, I matter. But this can also come with telling yourself, I love you. I appreciate all of who you are. And just over and over and over again. Because we have 60,000 or more thoughts a day and 90% of those are repeated unless we intervene. So to say, tell yourself, I love you once, five times, it's not going to cut it. You have to commit to giving yourself the love that your five-year-old self needed, that your two-year-old self needed, that your six-week-year-old self needed, six-week-old six self needed, that your 15-year-old self needed. So the way I summarize this is treat yourself as you would treat a child, particularly in times when you feel vulnerable. And then lastly, how can we cultivate connection with self? And this is really a personal ex experience. Self-touch is a great one. You can literally just rub your own body. It does not have to be sexual. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. I love scratching my head. I have a lot of hair. And sometimes it can get kind of heavy and make my scalp feel stagnant and hot. So I love to like shake my hair up and scratch my scalp. That feels so good to me. Rub your own feet. You can warm up some like sesame oil or coconut oil and just pour it on your body. Get on a towel in your bathroom, nice light, light some nice candles, and just pour the warm oil on your body. You don't even have to massage. Just rub it. 
And just enjoy the feeling of warm oil on your skin. It might be time in nature or your creative pursuits, for example. All of these are great ways to start creating connection in your life. And it has to, and as I mentioned before, it has to start within first. It has to start with you first. Then when we start to reach out to others, say, hey, I need connection. Hey, I need some love. Hey, I need safety. I need help. It's so much easier. And we naturally start to eliminate the relationships in which we have to wear a mask. And we start to attract the relationships in which we have that authentic co-regulative experience. So this whole episode in summary for the nth time, what is the root to all suffering? Well, it's nervous system dysregulation. The root to that, a lack of safety, love, and connection with others, but particularly with yourself. With others, but particularly with yourself. Start with safety first, and then maybe move into love and connection. Focusing your attention, your time, your energy, your money, your resources into these three areas of your life are going to enhance your well-being in ways that you can't even imagine. Because even Maslow's hierarchy validates this. And it's funny, I actually have used, used Maslow's hierarchy many times, especially when I present to businesses and their teams. But I haven't referenced it in a little bit of time. And today, when I was preparing for the podcast episode, I was doing a little bit of research and came across his hierarchy and saw that he has a very similar order. Safety, meaning primal needs, love and connection. We have to meet these needs before we can get into our thriving state. So the space between thriving and surviving is potentially suffering. Thank you so much for joining me on this conversation today. This is something I'm so passionate about because there's so much noise out there about supplements and breathing techniques. There's a million techniques, 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 supplements, pills, things to try. There's just so much out there and it can be so overwhelming. And we have to simplify this information if we want to really optimize it and really implement it in our life in a way that's sustainable. So I hope this helps you. I hope this helps give you direction of where to focus in your own life so you can start filling in those gaps and really empowering yourself and your well-being and eventually your relationships as well. So now I want to hear from you. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast and rate the podcast and find me on social media on Instagram or LinkedIn to tell us what was your biggest takeaway from the episode today. As always, may you walk with grace and courage, and we'll see you next time.